Thank you, Lord. He's worthy. We worship him in so many ways. We praise him, but uh, what a shout. Sure. That was good, eh? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. We were so blessed. Amen. It's great to see you. My name is Greg. If you don't know me, welcome again to those joining us online. It's so great to have you joining us today. What a blessed day. What a great Sunday. So, um, two announcements. I'm going to ask Kathy to come forward. Kathy's going to make an announcement. But uh, in case you missed it, last weekend we had some crosses that were donated. Um, you're welcome to take a cross, and you'll see a box there. We're not selling them, but we are asking for donations for our Domino Kitchen. So if you'd like a cross, whatever's on your heart, if you could pop it in the box, and that money's going towards uh, our work through our Domino Kitchen. Wonderful. All right. And it also, sorry, non-perishable food items. I think many of us have forgotten this week, so we're going to keep it going. The cupboard is a bit bare. We use those food items uh, for relief hampers in our community, our greater Tody community. So yeah, please, if you're able to help us with non-perishable food items, please bring them over the coming weeks. We will have a table ready. Thank you. Kathy. Morning, everyone. Uh, this weekend, we have celebrated and observed the Easter weekend. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and uh, we have praised and thanked Jesus for what he did for us for dying on the cross for us so that we may be set free and that we may have eternal life. The, sorry. <laughs> um, the price that he paid for our freedom is not only for our eternal life, but for this life too. He wants us to be free here and now in this life, free from anything that holds us back or hinders us for the life that he intended for us to live, a life that is purposeful and fulfilling and for doing everything that he wanted us to do. So this morning, I encourage you to join us on the wholeness course so that you may discover that freedom and may deepen your relationship with the Lord. Uh, the course starts this Saturday, the 10th of April. Um, it will be held here at the church on Saturday afternoons from 2 to 4. Um, we will break for the Easter holidays, uh, yeah, the Easter holidays, the school holidays. Um, the cost is 150 Rand. Um, we, uh, we have sent out a link on WhatsApp. So if you haven't received that link and you would like to join us, please um, contact Dwayne at the office or you can speak to Laurie or myself. Thanks so much. Perfect. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks so much, man. It's going to be really valuable. And just a reminder again, it's not only women who need wholeness. The dudes do too, okay? Sometimes God needs a whole lot more work with us, actually, as well, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah, men as well. We have, I think, yeah, they are, I've seen men's names coming in. So, yeah, please, men. Join up for that time as well. Wonderful. All right, great. Grant's going to be sharing the word with us today. It's always such a great uh, Sunday to preach, actually, the Easter Sunday. So let's give Grant a hand as he comes up. Welcome up. Thanks, Grant.
was done at the Bikini Atoll on July 25th, 1946. You saw that, eh? It was the equivalent of 23,000 tons of TNT. And that's not the biggest bomb in the world. The biggest one, I think, is 54 megatons. Hey? And look at the devastation that caused. That sunk ships that were within a kilometer radius. Just decimated ships. You can see, if you go to the next slide there, The title of this preach is The Bomb That Shook the World. That was a powerful bomb, but I'm going to get to an even bigger bomb just now. This next picture is one of the ships that was decimated. That was one of the ships that were there. Can you imagine? This is a huge battleship that just gets decimated by this water. Hey? A man-made bomb. I want to talk to you today about a different bomb. And I'm going to get into it just now, but I want you to cast your mind back. 6,000 years. The earth was dark. It was formless. There was chaos. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And all of a sudden, there's this creation that happens, and God starts creating in the, the heavens and the earth, the seas and the land, the animals. Hey, how awesome is that? Can you imagine just God saying, let there be light, and there's light. Let the waters teem. Let there be animals on the land. Let there be plants. And all of a sudden, this, this stuff just starts happening. I've got a very vivid imagination. So I can imagine that as these things are happening, there's all this like, stuff happening, which I think is pretty cool. Hey? And then God says, right, this, this place is awesome, but I'm missing something. Let's create man. Let's create him in our image. The image of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and he gets, and he gets dust, and, he, and he, he makes Adam, and he breathes his life into Adam. Can you imagine the first thing that Adam saw was God's face when he opened his eyes? How awesome is that? Hey? And then he told Adam to name all of the animals and see if you can find a helper. And there was no helper, so God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. 
and he took from his side a rib and he formed woman. And Adam, when he saw her, said, whoa, man. Come on, guys. Don't worry about it. Okay. There we go. At least someone, at least someone thought that was funny. So God created women and Adam, and they walked in the garden with God. How awesome. Hey? God would come down on the cool of the day, and they'd just walk, and they would talk, and they'd just chat. How's it going? Created anything new lately? Hey? How are you treating Eve? How are you treating Adam? Can you imagine? And then all of a sudden, this slithery little serpent comes up and says, because God had told him, it says, you can eat of every tree except the tree of good and evil and of knowledge. So Satan, the little slippery serpent, comes and says, did God really say that? Did he? Come on. Why would he want you not to eat from that tree? You know why? Because he doesn't want you to become like him. And all of a sudden, this doubt starts happening in Eve's mind and Adam's mind. And, then, and for those of you who think it was all Eve's fault, Adam was right next to her when this happened. Adam could have just gone, hey, move away. But he didn't. Why? Because he was also tempted. Because it was like, well, maybe. I wonder what it would be like to be like God. And they ate with the apple or the tree or whatever it was. No one knows what fruit it was. But they ate and all of a sudden their eyes were opened. And what did he say? They realized they were naked. So they hid. They hid from God. And as God came down, he says, Hey, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And Adam says, You know, God, we're ashamed. You know, we saw that we were naked and we hid. And he says, Well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? And Eve's first response is, or Adam's first response is, Hey, the woman made me do it. Not my fault. Hey? It's definitely not my fault. The woman said, Hey, it was the serpent. And then we get the first prophecy of Jesus in Genesis chapter 3, where it says, and God will put enmity between you and the woman, etc., etc., and it says, and he will crush your head and you he will strike his heel. That is the first prophetic picture of Jesus, right in the beginning of the Bible. God had this redemption plan in place right from the beginning. He knew that man would fail. He knew that they would, so he had to put this plan in place. And he prophesied right then, Jesus is coming, and he's going to crush your head. You might strike his heel, but the, the blow is going to come to your head. And then we go into this whole story of Genesis. And you go into Genesis, and the, the Noah, and the flood, and etc., etc., comes up to Abraham. I don't know if you... No, I'm just giving you a brief history of the Bible. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. It's a good journey. Trust me. There we go. Thank you. So you get to Abraham, and then you get Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the, you know, the, the patriarchs, and just this wonderful thing. Then they go to Egypt, and they get enslaved for 400 years. And God has chosen Israel. He says, you're a chosen nation. You are my nation. I'm choosing you. Not for favoritism. God chose them to be the light into the world. That's what Israel failed to see. Israel thought, well, God has chosen me, so I'm going to keep God for myself. And I'm going to do things myself. And that's it. But God actually chose Israel to be a light into the world. To show them who God was. And how God operated. So there's a famine and they go. 
to Egypt and we know the story of Joseph. If you don't know the story of Joseph, go read it in Genesis. Brilliant story of redemption. And as you have Joseph and then um, his father comes and, and all of the, the brothers and there's think there's going to be a big family feud and everything going on but nothing joseph forgives him and there's you know there's healing and restoration and it's great and then a new pharaoh arrives he doesn't know about joseph and about the things he done and he enslaves the people of israel and israel cried for a redeemer and god sends moses a man who couldn't speak a man who was afraid of pharaoh even though he had grown up in pharaoh's courts it's amazing huh? That you've grown up in this palace life and you've been educated, you've got all the education, all of a sudden when God calls him, he says, I can't speak. Fine, I'll use Aaron to speak for you. And then God releases them from from Egypt and they go into the desert. And what should have been a 12-day journey took them 40 years. Why? Because they went into the promised land and they said, there's no ways that we can do this. And they grumbled against God. So God said, fine, this whole generation is going to die before you go into the promised land. So for 40 years, they walked around the desert. Then they go into the promised land. Joshua takes it, conquers Canaan. Everything is great. Joshua dies. Chaos. And then begins the story of the up and down life of Israel and Judah and the kings and David and everything. Because the whole story of, of, of Israel is one of, yes, God, I'll serve you. No, God, I won't. Yes, God, I'll serve you. No, God, I won't. And it's almost like an up and down. You can actually see, well, there's a good king. Okay, they're going to do well for a while. And there they go. And you can read and you say, okay, I know this pattern. And there's a biblical pattern that Israel went through. Because they're trying to do it by themselves. God had called them. He says, come, worship me. When you worship me and obey my laws, then things will go well with you. But the moment they stopped worshiping God, and they put up the Baal temples and the Asherah poles and everything like that, all of a sudden, God couldn't, he, he had to step back. Because they had basically told God, get out of my life. Don't want you in this place anymore. And God, being a gentleman he is, he withdraws. He doesn't force himself on anyone. And then it goes through to David. So David rises up, kills Goliath, becomes king of Israel. He has Solomon. And then, after Solomon... You thought there was chaos beforehand, then there's chaos, even more chaos after that. Because you have a succession of good kings, bad kings, good kings, bad king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. It's almost like a, like a march. Okay? It happens. And between Genesis and Malachi, the books in the Old Testament, there's a pattern of the up and down journey of Israel. And when Malachi ends and Matthew begins, guess how many years that was? Anyone want to guess, except Greg, or the elders, or anyone else that knows the Bible? I'll tell you anyway. It was 400 years. 400 years, not one prophecy, not one interference of God in the nation of Israel, nothing. Not one. Eh? Imagine going for 400 years, and you know that the whole of the Old Testament is pointed to this Messiah that is going to come and is going to liberate the people, and for 400 years you've heard nothing. And then, but wait, the story's not finished. And then the angel appears to Mary and said, you have been chosen to carry the Savior, to give birth to the Savior, 
who will redeem this world. His name will be Jesus. And he, because he will save his people, as we heard from Greg on Friday. His name is Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Then, you have the birth. And Herod tries to kill the baby. All the babies under two years was, was, were killed. And you have the wise men that bring their gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you have the shepherds that go and announce it into Israel that the king is born. And every single person in Israel was looking for a military leader. And every single person in Israel was disappointed because Jesus was a different type of leader. Jesus came to serve. He led through service. He ushered in the kingdom of God through service. Not through, yes, he had power and might, but he didn't go and force it. You know what the amazing thing is that as Jesus was, was doing what he was doing, he wasn't pushing down authorities physically, but spiritually he was changing the people's hearts. That's what Jesus wants. Changes the people's hearts. Okay. Jesus was on this, on this earth for 33 years. And then we have this wonderful character called John the Baptist who comes. Can you imagine someone walking in with a camel cloak and eating locusts and honey and wild bushy hair? And he says, Behold, there's the Lamb of God. I don't know about you, but what I would have thought is, You're crazy. Have you seen how you dress? You are not smart. You don't carry yourself well. And you're coming and telling me that this man is the king. He's the Lamb of God. Well, yes, he was the Lamb of God. Listen, God uses the most unlikely people to bring in his kingdom. I'm sorry, or to, to announce things. John the Baptist was very unlikely. He wasn't this prominent ruler. Jesus didn't use the Roman government to announce the king of Jesus. He used the shepherds were the first people to announce it. Can you imagine? People hated the shepherds because they spent time with sheep. And they were dirty and they were smelly and they were ugly. Well, I don't know if they were ugly, but you know what I mean. You know? He uses that. So Jesus was on this, on this earth for 33 years. But you know what the amazing thing is? History is defined by Jesus. No one can deny that Jesus was born and what Jesus was on this earth. No one can. History... It's in history. History is defined by who Jesus is. And then we get to the plot of what you've been celebrating this week. Crucifixion. Jesus gets unfairly trial. He gets crucified. He gets flogged. He gets hung up on a tree naked and ashamed in front of the whole world with a nice sign above his head that says, King of the Jews. And he gets mocked. And he gets mocked. And he gets beaten. And he was just... Can you imagine being up there on the cross, naked, for all the world to see, and people are just abusing you? Hey? But that wasn't the worst part. And then the sin of the world gets laid on his shoulders. That wasn't the worst part. The worst part is when his father turned away. And he cried out, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God turned his back on Jesus because the sin of the world was on the perfect sacrificial lamb. And God could not look on that. There had to be a sacrifice. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And then he cries out in this loud voice, It is finished! And all of a sudden there's there's darkness and there's earthquakes and the people must have thought, what on earth is going on? I don't think I would have used such timid language. I might have used a little bit more colorful language. 
but can you imagine? And then he gets taken off the cross, put in the tomb. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they must have been rejoicing. And they said, finally, this insurrectionist has been put to death. Finally, Satan's rejoicing because, hey, this man is dead. He's dead. Do it. Nothing can stop it now. I've got complete reign of the earth. And then we read in Matthew 28. The Sabbath day was now over. It was dawn on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a powerful earthquake. The angel of the Lord came down from heaven. The angel went to the tomb. He rolled back the stone and sat in it. His body shone like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. I think I would have done the same thing. The angel said to the woman, says, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly, tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now I have told you. If you look at that last little bit there, there's actually a, a progress of what we do. Jesus is risen. Come and see. The grave is empty. Go and tell Go and tell. He's waiting for you. I've told you. Very, very plain words from the angel. He didn't say, okay, listen, I can't come sit on my lap. Let me, let me console you. Yes, Jesus is not here, but it's okay because he's alive and he's walking around somewhere and everything's okay. He says, no, Jesus has risen. Go and tell the disciples. Go. There's a commissioning. When we see that Jesus has risen, there's a commissioning. Now, again, I have a very vivid imagination and I want to play this next clip. Because this is how I think it happened. I can imagine God sitting in heaven and turning to the Holy Spirit and says, it's time. And then we get this. Roman seal has been broken. The tomb is now open and the Nazarene is gone. What do you mean, gone? Next slide. Next. He is alive. He is risen. 
No, I expected people to shout and have some fun, but anyway. I, that's, that's, I mean, that, that was, um, I mean, if, if you've ever seen the program, it's, um, it's AD Chronicles, whatever it's called. But they could have phoned me and I could have given them an exact description of how I think it should have played out. But they didn't, but we're in, we in tune, so it's good. But Jesus is alive. Hey? How awesome is that? That, the, that is the bomb that shook the world. You think the bomb in the beginning was big. That, that bomb that happened right now that we're celebrating today, the resurrection of Jesus, shook the world. The Holy Spirit came and poured into the tomb and just resurrected Jesus and it reverberated. Not for one kilometer. Not for two kilometers. For 2,020 years, it has been reverberating. And it is going to reverberate forevermore. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Death has been beaten. It is victorious. Satan is defeated. The enemy is defeated. Okay? How awesome is that? And when we see that, when we experience that, we see that, we see the tomb is empty, we go and see where he lands, there's just grave clothes, we go. We go and we tell. There's a commissioning. I don't have much time left, and I've, but very, very quickly, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean to me today? Number one, it proved that Jesus was divine, that Christ was divine. Just because he died on a cross didn't make him God. But he fulfilled every single prophecy that was in the Old Testament. He fulfilled them and he rose again. That proves that he is God. It says the Bible declares that by being raised from the dead, Christ proved to be the mighty Son of God with the holy nature of God himself. The resurrection proved Christ's power to forgive sin. The Bible says if Christ had not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. By rising from the dead, Jesus proved his authority and the power to break the bonds of sin and to assure forgiveness and eternal life to all who accept his gift of salvation. Not to some, to all who accept his gift. The resurrection revealed Christ's power over death. You see that. Christ rose from the dead and he will never die again. How cool is that? You could say amen. Death no longer has any power over him. The resurrection secured our victory over death as well. It lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ. How awesome is that? The resurrection defeated God's enemy. Satan is defeated. From the moment that Jesus was buried... Satan saw that he had won this victory, that the earth was his. But Jesus rose again, and he defeated God's enemy. And it gives us hope. It gives us hope. 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, 3 and 4 says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That to me is just, the resurrection gives me hope. What Hope to do what? Hope to live. Hope to live out what God's called me to do. Hope to, just, just to carry on. You know, if you're feeling depressed or etc., God gives us hope to carry on. It's not the end. It's only the beginning. Because God has so much more for us. I want to read this quick thing from N.T. Wright. And uh, I've been going through the, the, the Apostles' Creed, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And part of it, it says, The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. 
He writes, he writes, it says, now at last, Jesus' resurrection can mean what it meant to be to the gospel writers. It isn't, as some remarkably still imagine, simply an intervention by God to rescue Jesus as a kind of special favor while leaving everyone else in the grave. If Jesus is the one who is carrying the destiny of Israel, if Israel is the people who are carrying the ultimate purposes of God to bring his justice and a new creation to birth, then the resurrection of Jesus is the launching of a new world in which justice and new creation have arrived. You, Jesus actually told someone, he says, some people were standing there, and Jesus says, you won't experience death before you see the kingdom come in power. The resurrection is the kingdom come in power. Hey, how cool is that? And yes, and the ascension is then, as Luke certainly intends, and John and Matthew hint, it's not Jesus just going away and coming back another day. But heaven, in the biblical thought, is the control room for earth. Jesus, to be now sitting at God's right hand, is for him to be given full authority over heaven and earth. Every line of the section of the creed speaks about the coming of the kingdom of God. When Jesus rose from the dead, he ushered in a new creation, a new life. It's us. That same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us. I want to say that again. The same spirit that came down from heaven when God said, it's time. That same spirit which came and resurrected the lifeless body of Jesus back to life is the same spirit that lives in me. It's the same spirit when I say, Father God, come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. It's the same spirit. Romans 8, verse 11 to 17 says, and Katie, can you go and call the kids? I've already told your mom, so they need to come up. I'm going to be praying for us just now. Romans 8, verse 17 to 11. I want to end with this. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So the God who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your bodies. He will do this because of the Spirit who lives in you. Brothers and sisters, we have a duty. Our duty is not to live under the power of sin. If you live under the power of sin, you will die. But by the Spirit's power, you can put to death the sins you commit. And then you will live. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are, are children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves. Otherwise, you would live in fear again. Instead, the Holy Spirit you received made you God's adopted child. By the Spirit's power, we call him God, Abba. Abba means Father. The Spirit himself joins with our spirits, and together they tell us we are God's children. And his children will receive all that he has for us. And we will share what Christ receives, but we must share in the sufferings. We want to share in his glory. The spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living inside of me. That to me is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Why? Because it means I never have to do this alone. If God has resurrected, if the spirit resurrected Jesus, so what's God doing in me? He's resurrecting things in me. And I want to pray over us and over the kids just now. And just even in the prayer meeting beforehand, it was a case of, would you guys stop praying? Because that's what I want to be praying at the end. But it just means that God, hey, everything's cool. But that spirit that resurrected Jesus. So God is the creator, and God has spoken things into life, into our lives. God has said some of you will be preachers, some of you will be prophets, some of you will be apostles, teachers, whatever it is. Some of you are going to go to distant nations and plant churches. And I think sometimes we let that die. But the power of Jesus, the power of God, the power of the Spirit resurrects things in our lives. 
and this morning, and I felt even just praying this morning while I was lying in bed, it was just God wants to commission today. And he doesn't want to commission only the adults. He wants to commission children today. And that's why I've called the kids up. Is that as we stand, and I want to call you to stand just now, that if God has called something over your life, and you'll know what it is, and people online as well, I'll encourage you to stand as well. But if you know that God has spoken something over your life, and you've let it die, I'm going to pray this morning by the Spirit of God that gets resurrected. Because God has called us to do great and mighty things in His name. God has called us to go to nations. God has called us to disciple our neighbors. God has called us to love everyone. But I think sometimes we let it die. We just say, God, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. It's too hard. I don't want to. I don't want to do the thing that, that, that you've spoken over me. But here's the thing. Who's losing out? God or you? If you're not walking in the will of God, who's losing out? That's you. So this morning I want to pray. And to be commissioned. Isaiah was commissioned in, um, in Isaiah chapter 6. God says, who will go? And Isaiah said, I will. And I believe God is calling people to go. God is calling people to stand strong. God is calling people to stand firm. God is calling people to encourage. God is calling Paul's, Peter's, Barnabas's. Barnabas being son of encouragement. Sometimes God just wants you to encourage people. That's it. But you're doing what God has called you to. So if that is you, if God has placed something in your heart and you know that you've let it die, I want you to stand. And I want all the children to stand. And I want the parents to place their hands on their kids. Father God, we thank you that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus this morning. But it's not only one day that we celebrate it, we celebrate the power and the victory of the cross every single day of our lives. The resurrected Jesus every single day of our lives. That same spirit that, that rose Jesus from the dead now resides in us. And Father, I just pray that whatever things you've placed in people's hearts, Lord Jesus, that you would start resurrecting, that you would start breathing life into again, that you'd just, that you'd fan into flame the passion that we have for your name, for you, for who you are, for what you've called us to do. And as we stand here and as we, as we surrender ourselves to you, we say, Holy Spirit, come. Empower. Empower the things you've called us to do. Empower the things that you want us to do. Give us the means and the, the, the finances or whatever it is that you, that, that you want us to do that you would just impact us. If you've given us the vision, you're going to provide for us. And Father, I want to pray for every single child that is standing here. Father God, you, you told the disciples, don't stop the children from coming to me. And Father God, you've placed callings on children's lives right now. And you know what it is. And Father God, I pray that you would just breathe life into those callings. That Father God, as they stand there, they know that they are not insignificant, that they have great authority in the kingdom of God because of who you are. And it's not because they are a child that they're insignificant, but it's because they're a child that they've, that they've got a greater understanding of you.
And Father, I just pray that there would just be this, I mean, Greg spoke about a shaking earlier on, that, you know, the bomb that shook the world, the resurrection, that as they're going to schools, there would be a shaking in schools. As they're meeting with friends, there would be a shaking with friendships. And as, even as they go home, Father God, that things would change. But that you would breathe life into their lives. And I thank you for that, Father God. I thank you for our kids. They are precious to us and they are precious to you. And I think in some of the kids that, there's, that they're living under the shadow of other people. And God is saying, come out of that shadow. I haven't called you to live under the shadow of anyone. I've called you to be who you are. And that is who you are. And Father, I thank you. And I just wonder if we could take two minutes, just where you are, just to pray over your kids, just to prophesy something over them, and then we'll end. And Father, we thank you that you love each and every one of us. We thank you for your plans and your purposes that you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. And we pray, Father God, that as we continue in this year, that this would be a year we would see the calling of God evidence in our lives. We would be commissioned to do the things that you've called us to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great rest of the Sunday and the rest of the long weekend. We pray God's favor over you. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen.